0: The Hoop Collective is brought to you by Goodyear, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. Before we get started today, I just want to remind you that you can catch every game of the NBA Finals on ABC and ESPN Radio, where you can hear Doris Burke doing color, by the way. Plus, relive one of the greatest icons and most successful teams in sports history, Michael Jordan, the 1997-98 Chicago Bulls, Stream the Emmy and NAACP Image Award winning series, the Last Dance on ESPN+. Plus. Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective low-post crossover pod after Finals Game 3, which the Bucks smash the Suns 120-100. It was a laugher in the end. Um, Zach, we're going to have at least a five-game series. That's good.
1: I and, love um, I love a 2-1 game four, baby. I love a oh, two-one yeah. game four. Give it You're to him. Right me.
0: about that. And we've got one of we've got one of Wisconsin's favorite sons. I don't know if he can he can root outwardly for the Bucks. Tyrese Halliburton, did you grow up a Bucks fan? No, no chance. Okay. Uh, they were they were they weren't good growing
2: up, so I couldn't be a a real fan. You know, like I liked Michael red and when Brandon Jennings came around, everybody had a Brandon Jennings jersey, but I didn't really like cheer cheer for them. I'm big, I was a big LeBron guy going, growing up, but then they got good and I couldn't really like join the bandwagon. So, but it's cool I to see you. Wisconsin sports doing well. It's it's cool. Yeah, it's always- so
0: that's, that's Sacramento Kings guard Terry Halliburton. who um, I'm out in Vegas with team USA. He just left Vegas. He was with team USA, the select team for the last week. Maybe we'll get to that later. Tyrese, but you are back home in Wisconsin for the first time in like over a year, right? Yep. Yep. So you're there. So I remember when I was listening to plans, when they were going to build the, the, the arena in Milwaukee and they were like, I remember I was listening to Mark Lazary and Peter F- Fagan, who's their president. And they were like, we're going to have this area next to the arena where the fans can come and watch big games as a collective group, Tyrese. This is like literally seven years ago or so, and I was like, "Sounds great." You guys haven't had any big games in thirty-five years, but <laughs> it sounds great. And so, regardless of this game, I thought it was awfully cool to see twenty-five thousand people euphorically enjoying this game outside. I thought I just it made me very happy to see so many people happy. And we have a, we have a finals.
2: Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. It's been a great series so far, and uh, you know, obviously, a lot of my friends, a lot of people that I grew up with are you know diehard Bucks fans, diehard Packer fans. That's kind of how Wisconsin sports works, So uh, it, it, it's cool to see everybody kind of come together, and you know, obviously, the Bucks weren't like I said, they weren't very good growing up. So it's cool to see them, you know, have some have some success. But um, you know, it's a big win in Game Three, and you know, if I, I think if Phoenix takes Game Four, I think it's over. But if if uh, you know if, if Milwaukee can pick up Game Four, I think they're I think they're good.
0: Zach, Yanis um, Ateneakumpo in Game One, I'm stunned he was not seriously injured. I'm stunned he was able to play. He sort of felt his way through that game. The last two games, he has been absolutely dominant. As good as we saw in the broadcast. Last two guys to have back-to-back forty-point games, LeBron and Shaq, in the finals. That play leads me to believe anything is possible in this series, and that Giannis is at the beginning of maybe assembling the type of dominating ability that we've we've known he's could have when when he got the two MVP awards. This is the player at this level that we thought we could have, and these last two games I've seen it, and um, that's why I think Game Four and his performance is potentially a very pivotal moment, um, maybe in NBA history.
1: First of all, the, we'll see how the rest of his career unfolds. Deer District is like a cute name. It's a nice bit of alliteration. That thing should be named after Giannis. It exists because of Giannis. There are people in it because of Giannis. If Giannis leaves the Bucks and they're just bad, ain't nobody going to be showing up in the Deer District to watch any basketball games for a long time. But yeah, you're right, man. Look, we know Giannis Portis Patio. Is- I Portis Patio sounds fantastic. <laughs> Look, um in game two, which was a majestic performance by Giannis too, uh he he had the fl- like floater mid-ranger thing kind of going. And when he makes a little bit more of those than you expect, he has a big game. And today it was the free throws. Like, this is what could happen if Giannis actually could shoot free throws well in the playoffs. He's I think 71% in the regular season and 60% for his career in the playoffs. Clearly that, that indicates to me something's going on upstairs, but 13 is 17 today. And look, if you win the free throw battle and you win the offensive rebounding battle and you win the turnover battle, you're probably going to win the game. If you get a modicum of good shooting and they shot well enough, the bucks did 48%, 39% from threes. And I think the the moment, you know, that the game turned was, Suns cut it to four after some Cam Johnson threes. After Cam Johnson, I think murdered PJ Tucker in in front of like <laughs> millions of eyewitnesses. What was the percentage
0: the- chance that that call was get- getting overturned, even in Milwaukee? I say less than one per- one tenth of one percent. Well, I think we overturned. need
1: to. I think we need to talk about it more. He took off from the dotted line. Like that's a that's a. Who, Cam Johnson took off from the dot line. Did you know Cam frammed. Johnson
0: had those kind of hops? <laughs> no,
2: no. I had I, I literally turned away. Like, I turned the other way, and then all my friends were going crazy. I turned around, and I was like, oh, my God. I, did not, I didn't expect that at all. <laughs> that was crazy.
1: So, hold, so hold up. So, so, that happens. Mikhail Bridges does the weird jump ball steal thing where everyone stops playing, and he dunks, and it gets down to four. And then Drew Holiday hits a step back three. Then he hits a three off an offensive rebound from Bobby Portis. And like two minutes later, he hits another just pull up and transition, you know, three that is like a Steph Curry, Dame Lillard. Like, yeah, hey, I'm gonna pull up and transition. I'm Drew Holiday. And those three threes, it gets up back into double digits. That they had it down to four. It's easy to forget that now because it yeah. ended up in a blowout, but they had it down to four. So Tyrese, again, like we had Steve Clifford on the other day. You're the only one on here that actually knows what the hell you're talking about. What did you see? you've watched every minute of these finals, I'm guessing. What did you see from the Bucs? Like, why was this so different for them other than, yeah, they made some big threes in a key stretch, and Devin Booker was 3 of 14 and had kind of a randomly bad game. Like, what did you see out there?
2: Yeah, I mean, to be honest, in in, in my mind, what changed in Game 3 that's uh, kind of been the story of the playoffs for these guys so far um, is I felt like Game 1, it became a little too stagnant and kind of relying on you know, the halfback dive of Giannis at the top of the key, running <laughs> down the middle and trying to Euro step. Um, and I also felt in game two, while Giannis played well, you know, I felt like they were going to him so, so heavy and Drew and Chris weren't getting enough touches early enough in the shot clock that I felt like you know, they were kind of giving the ball last five seconds of shot clock, like, oh, go make something happen. And that's that's obviously kind of hard to do when you're, you know, not in, the, in a rhythm. Uh, but I thought they did a really good job. Drew obviously played well. But, you know, when Giannis is more reliant on, you know, deep seals because nobody's, nobody's pushing him off the block, you know what I'm saying? Like that's a lot to do. And when he's more reliant on, you know, the quick catches – I, I like the play he had with Pat Connington. He caught on top of the key, looked at the rim for a second, went to the dribble handoff, you know, on the cleared side that gets him the dunk, you know what I'm saying? Like, more like more of that stuff, and I thought Giannis did a really good job of not bailing people out, right, like getting Cam Johnson on. him. He's like, no, 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 I'm not shooting mid-range jump shots. I'm going to the rim. I'm shooting post-hooks. You know, I think that's where Giannis is at his best. So I feel like if they're more reliant on that, you know, obviously the Bucks are a very physical team. They make a lot of adjustments. Uh, and you know, I think we got a series going. I, I think the first team who wins a road game is going to win this win the series. So uh, you know, it's, it's it's been a great series so far.
1: On that play yeah. that, Con- that Connaughton that did that, Giannis and Jeff Van Gundy called out there in the game. He got in his bag a little bit and he made them think I might do the keeper thing, the fake handoff, or I just might keep it in drive. And like that, that was all they needed. Like Chris Paul wants to go under that pick for Connaughton, and but it it confused them a little bit. And I just saw Giannis all game long. Was screening and slipping really hard? They yep. were coming up and, and putting two on Middleton, so they would have to set the the Suns would have to send help from the weak side. And like Connaughton got a little driving score. Tucker had that possession where he drove a closeout. It like ultra slow PJ Tucker drive against the closeout and then kicked it and got it back for a layup. Like I think you nailed it, Tyrese. They just centered around Giannis's activity as a screener. They just kind of had it hopping a little bit more, and that was all they needed to kind of keep going to the rim. There's some people in
0: this league who believe that Giannis really is at his best when he's playing center in a small ball lineup. Now that's not going to be what he does for 38 minutes, but that's what happened essentially in this game. I know Portis is on the court, but Aiden got the foul trouble. Aiden leaves. He doesn't want to play Kaminsky in that spot, Monty. So he puts in Cam Johnson. They go small. Giannis goes small ball and it's, he's very effective playing that way. Um, and I've said before, I'll say again, Tyrese, I think Aiton, he's not their most you know valuable player, but he's their most important player. The way Aiden plays affects the way the rest of the team plays. Aiden was in foul trouble. They couldn't use him in their pick-and-roll game as much. The first two games, he was plus 23 total, plus minus. So now he's minus six. And that is, I mean, Booker obviously is off too. Booker goes one of seven from three. but. I'm telling you, as you guys talked about, when Giannis isn't a perimeter ball handler, and Giannis is the guy who's rolling off the screens, getting set up for, the Bucks' offense looks totally different. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk
1: it. Click it or tick it. Paid for by NHTSA.
0: Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Yeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely.
2: Right, for sure. Yeah, like I said, I think when it's not, Like, if it's when it gets relying on, like I said, the halfback dive where it's kind of just Giannis and ISO in the middle, you know, I think you got to embrace Chris and Drew for the, you know, the shot creators, the playmakers that they are, kind of let them get their touches because Giannis is going to get his, you know what I'm saying? Like no matter what, if Giannis is not the focus of the offense, he's getting twenty five. You know what I'm saying? Like it's the in, it's the inevitable. But when you let Drew and Chris kinda operate more and Giannis is more reliant on no, nah, I'm not bailing anybody out, I think that's when they're they're a lot better.
1: Wendy, we, we shouldn't sugarcoat it. Like the eight and foul trouble completely changed the game because yeah. You know, we talked about it after game two. Both of you and I were like, I, let's not overreact. The Bucks should be okay here. If they can get game three, they're right back in the series. And part of the reason we felt that was Craig was injured. And at the time we recorded, it looked like he might he might be out a while. Saric is already out. Like, they just can't afford Aiton to get in foul, really anybody to get in foul trouble, but Ayton in particular. And you could tell, like, when they have Crowder and Aiton both on the floor, they have two guys who, like, we can accept this matchup for Giannis and it doesn't destroy our defense. And when one of them is off, it's just like when the cross matches get all scrambled up, the chances that he's just going to have a guy on him who's got no shot. Like Cam Johnson has no shot. Mikhail Bridges is an awesome defense player. Awesome. Borderline, all defense, just too skinny has absolutely no shot. Giannis puts him in the basket. And there was a play where both of them were off the floor in the fourth quarter and he ended up on Booker with him because there was just nobody. They couldn't find Tory. Craig was the other guy they were trying to get on him. And he just was like, "Give me the ball. I'm dunking." And it just you felt the lack of size and just the lack of bodies that Giannis was worried about at all. And Aiton, yeah, he was minus six, but he was beasting early in the game. Like he was, he was killing their switches. He was, he had that great seal on Drew Holiday where he ducked in. Like, what he felt like, he kind of pretended he was going to go out and sneak out of the play, and they ducked back in and got a post score. And he might have been minus six, but Kaminsky, I think, was minus 12 in 14 minutes. Nader, no. You know, Craig, no. Cam Johnson was really the only productive guy off the bench. Like, that that game is a different game. The the Bucks probably still win it, but it's a different game if Ayton can play 15 more minutes.
0: Yeah, and Cam Johnson is going to be – he's in the ice bath right now, Tyrese. Because he kept getting on Giannis, and Giannis kept hammering him, and they were begging for calls. But I don't know, Cam Johnson's not getting those calls. And um, you know, if I'm the if I'm the um, you know if I'm the Bucks, I'm like, all right, I, now we know what our game plan is. Every time Aiden leaves the floor, we go attack that way. Because I don't think they can play Kaminsky in there. They're gonna feel it. When the, the, the loss of Saric is going to be start is going to be really start to be felt because the Bucks figured out how to uh, how to handle it without it.
2: Yeah, for sure. I agree. I agree completely. I think uh, I think it's, it, the adjustments that they've made as the, as these games have went on have really made a big impact on the series so far. And uh, yeah, I mean that's what I would do. Right, just keep giving Giannis touches down low until they give you a reason to not. Um, and like you said, it's obviously a different ball game. I haven't played in the playoffs yet, but you know I know from the regular season when you're not at you're not at home, the, the calls aren't as, as favorable. So it, it's going to be hard to you know well, the, get those calls.
0: The funny thing is, so so Scott Foster worked the game tonight, who's Chris Paul's nemesis. Oh,
1: Wendy Scott Foster alert! Scott Foster but, alert! Drink, everybody but drink! Were,
0: but they were way. <laughs> I'm sure the Suns fans are furious at the officiated. Which fine, that's what happens when to fans when they lose, they get angry to officiating and the players. I'm sure Tyrese, but it wasn't even Foster tonight. the The the, the Suns were mad at the other two officials, uh, Eric Lewis and James Williams, um, and so um, Foster didn't even play a significant factor in this one. But um, uh, I, I do I do definitely think that if you're Milwaukee, you look at how this game played out, and you can't count on Devin Booker going three or fourteen. I understand that you can't count on an eight and getting into foul trouble. Um, you can't count on some other things that happen in this game. I mean, overall, the Suns are nine of 31 on three. So, you know, just a road shooting road shooting game, but there's some, there's some traction there. And um, game four, two, one, Zach, as you said, what, what often happens in series where it's two, one in game four, game four, winner of game four ends up winning the series.
1: It changes, you know, obviously every game gets as, as it carries an escalating importance is because once you get to six and seven, obviously it's a competitive series. Game four is the tone definer. Like this is either going to be a good series or like Tyrese said, Phoenix is going to win. And it's like, you're probably not coming back from 3-1 down when the other team has home court advantage. So game four is like, what kind of series is this going to be? But Tyrese, you I wanted to ask you, and you actually hinted at it before. I don't know you at all. This is the first time we've talked, but I, I've talked to a lot of people about your game and, and your approach to the game. I've watched lots and lots of your games for Sacramento. Uh, I love watching you play. You're a super high IQ player. So I'm wondering, as as a guy who was a rookie for a team who missed the playoffs, but has pretty aggressive playoff ambitions when you watch now that you've been in the league and, and played, like you said, regular season games, when you watch the playoffs, whether it's this series or other series, what sticks out to you is like, okay, I, I can see the difference between playoff basketball and regular season basketball.
2: You know, I'm just gonna say like the defensive intensity you know from all five guys and, and as a collective unit I just feel like the engagement is higher especially in the teams that go farther you know like I feel like the sun's bench never sits down and I feel like the Buck's bench never sits down like the engagement from uh, the bench and and kind of just all five you know I wish I could be up up close in here but you know, I, if if I was, I bet I if I, if I was, I bet I could tell you that you know the whole bench knows all the coverages. They they're telling got everybody's tendencies. You know, you're locked into these teams for uh, you know at least four games. Um, you know, I think that that changes changes things from just the defensive intensity from five guys. You know, even in the early earlier series, you see guys that you know aren't necessarily labeled as defenders. Some guys even labeled as you know, don't even care about defense, but you know, when it comes to the playoffs, you got to get stops to win games. Cause this, the NBA, everybody can score. It's the team who puts together the most stops. You know, I think that's why Milwaukee is where they are. They can get stops consistently. You know, I think that kind of separates them. And uh, you know, I think that's the biggest thing for, for teams, especially us. You know, I think we we're, la- I'm pretty sure we were last place in defense last year. So that's definitely going to have to be the biggest jump for us. You know, if we want to take any step forward.
0: So Giannis goes 13 and 16 at the line tonight. Uh, 13 to 17, probably the best free throw shooting game he's uh, he's ever had, considering the stakes. You are a great free throw shooter. I think you shot like 85, 86 percent this year. Um, and in that in that building, when Giannis was at the line, literally the Bucks fans sat on their hands. They were quiet. It was like dead quiet in there. <laughs> you could even hear the Suns fans. It was so quiet that you could hear the sun stands that were there counting. As a free-throw shooter, because that, that seemed to work tonight, as a free-throw shooter, do you want it totally quiet like that? Does that help you? Because it seemed like it worked for Giannis tonight. I, You know, I think it depends on who you are. I mean, for me, I I enjoy,
2: like, I feel like when it gets super quiet that it just – the mood is off you know what i'm saying like right now i feel like there's more pressure than there needs to be you know like when i work out all that stuff i like to be i like people to be talking i don't like it to be quiet because then it just feels completely different you know what i'm saying like I, i would i still like to hear some some sort of noise uh but yeah yeah i definitely think that these teams counting down has definitely affected them on the road like you know, you think you're going, because, because obviously refs count slower, right. And they're more generous. Like, Oh, he gets the ball. I'm not starting this count for two more seconds. You know what I'm saying? And it's not, I learned this when we actually, when we played the bucks, cause I, I we were, we brought it up to the refs. Cause we were like, man, this is a long free throw. And, uh, and they're explaining to me, like, they're like, okay, count, count right next to me. I forgot who the ref was. I'm like, I got I gotta look at the clip so I can remember who it was. But he's like, count with me. Like, and I'm like, okay, one, 1,000, two, 1,000. He's like, you're going too fast. So it's like, you know, it just depends on the officiating you're getting. I, I, I always wonder if we had like an automated clock, if that would if that would help things, you know. But I think we kind of need that human error in basketball. But here's the, the thing. Net- it's not
0: an issue for anybody else. It's only an issue for him, the 10 seconds. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, the I don't Nets-
1: think I, as many people take it 10, 10 seconds. The Nets tried that on their scoreboard during the, the conference semifinals. I don't know. I can't vouch for the Nets accuracy in starting the clock played on the time. Clock. But but the NBA told them, knock it off. Stop doing it. The fun police were like, nope. That's, and so now the fans have taken ownership of it themselves. Um, I also want to ask you, Tyrese, you were in the in the Pacific Division. You played the Suns three times this year. I, I'm refreshing my memory looking at your schedule. You played them in a back-to-back December 26th and 27th, so super early in the season. Could you tell even then um, that they could be could be trouble, or were you surprised as the season went on that they stayed near the top of the standings?
2: No, I guess I wasn't. I, I wouldn't call it surprised by any means, um, you know, because obviously the success CP is you know just had in Oklahoma City. I'm like, okay, well, he's definitely taking these guys to the playoffs after you know the bubble that those guys had, and uh, that wasn't a question. But I was definitely, I think everybody was a little surprised to see him, you know. Uh were they two seed? Two seed, one seed? Yeah, two, two seed. Two seed. Two seed, right? Yeah, I think that was I think that was su- uh surprise people a little bit. But you know, as you watch basketball as time goes on, like they got some great, great role players, like exactly what you could what everybody wants, right? Like everybody wants a Mikael Bridges, everybody wants a Cam Johnson, like everybody wants that, you know what I'm saying? And and I if if my memory is right. I think DeAndre Aiden, the first time we played the Suns, I think he might have had like four points, you know, so it it was like in the infancy of, of his and Chris Paul's pick and roll relationship, you know what I'm saying? And uh, to see the growth that they had over the year. And then when we played them towards the end of the year, like, man, he had such a great game. And I think his growth, you know, with CP has been,
1: you know, huge for that team. Has CP caught you yet with the, like a rip through or the thing he does where he brings the ball up and he starts dribbling sideways so you run into him from behind? He sticks his butt out. Has he got you with anything yet? <laughs> nah, he ain't got me with nothing. He I got a, a funny story
2: about CP. Is like so like the first game of the year, right? Like I, I'm a I've, you know been a point guard my whole life, so like CP's like I'm a big fan, right? I was a big fan growing up, and I used to stay up late to watch the Clippers play and, and all that, right? So first time we play them, right? CP comes out, shoots a mid-range jumper, right? And somebody on our bench says something as he shoots the jumper. I don't remember who it was. Somebody was like, hell no, right? (laughs) I'm standing up, right? I'm standing up just watching it on the bench. He looks at me dead in my eyes, and he thought it was me. And so, from, you know, from the from the jump, he was on me, like, just say everything to me. And, and I'm not about to be like, oh, I'm so sorry. It wasn't me. You know, I'm, about to, I'm a competitor, too. So but I was like, oh, my God, this guy this it, it was like, you know, second, third game of the NBA. This guy, Chris Paul, is like going at me. You know what I'm saying? Like he's looking
1: looking for me. And it was a uh, yeah, it was definitely a great a great way to kind of start my NBA career. I need, a, I need an explanation for the rules of the bench. Hell no. Like, you can't hell no Chris Paul on a mid-range jumper. Like, are you, are you allowed to do that? Like, you can hell no a bad three-point shooter on a three-point shot or some ugly-looking post. Are you actually – do people hell no, like, really good – like, could you hell no Dirk from the post in his prime? Like, would people do that? I think it's got to be – I think, you know, some guys, it's, it's
2: it's always after the miss, right? It's always after the shot does not go in, right? And I, and I think it's less of they know that that's their shot, but I think it's more so of like, you know, that, that guy who missed a shot, like sometimes they might look at you like crazy, you know what I'm saying? Now, that, now they're thinking about you. I think some guys in, in, enjoy that. Uh, but, yeah, it, it, it was not me because I know that's the bread and butter. But, yes, he he thought it was me for sure.
0: Man, I mean, you know, as it is, your first few weeks in the league, your head has got to be spinning like crazy. I mean, you got drafted less than a month before. And it's like, "Oh yeah, now you're going to be in NBA games like uh uh, you know. So I mean, I can't even I can't even imagine many rookies. I mean, I could see Anthony Edwards talking trash because that's just who he is, but I can't imagine many rookies are hunting out, you know, future Hall of Famers, but, you know,
2: yeah, not early. I need some I need I need to I need some success first before that happens.
1: So can Zach- I, can I, I was going to say, can I just shout out a couple of bucks that I feel like need to be shouted out a little bit? Pat Connaughton, 2 of 4 from 3. And just active. He's been active this entire series and when he just makes, like, I think he was 3 for 5 in the last game. When he makes shots, they have a chance. And he made a big corner 3 against the zone. Phoenix's zone was interesting. It got him back in the game, but I, I, I thought Milwaukee's offense against the zone, they were doing the right stuff and finally it started to pay off. And Bobby Portis, only 4 of 11, but And I've been big on, I think, Brooke Lopez has been fine in this series and they're going to need his size. But I think Bud actually made the right call of, um, uh, I shouldn't say, I don't know why I said actually. I think Bud made the right call of he could see that with Connaughton, Tucker, Giannis, whatever combination you want to use, the shooting just wasn't quite enough. And these guys don't treat Brooke Lopez like a great shooter. Just Portis, the threat of his shooting, I thought opened up the floor for him and we got the inevitable. Someone actually tweeted this to me uh, the other day when I wrote about Jay Crowder, he said, I I wish I could remember who was said, what's the over under on how many games we're going to get until the Jay Crowder, Bobby Portis, hold me back confrontation. And we got it very next game. We got the Jay Crowder, Bobby Portis, hold me back. But I thought those two, those two guys uh, were huge. And even Tucker just hitting a corner three and kind of looking frisky. They got good play from their role guys. Lopez
0: played 21 minutes tonight. Now, I recognize that some of that is because Aiton only played 24 minutes, and then they pulled the starters. That 21 minutes has an asterisk on it. But I'm telling you, just because I say I want him to – I think playing playing less minutes would help their flow doesn't mean I don't like him. But I do think less dependence on Brook Lopez, more challenging of Giannis to play big – I think that can be a game plan, not only in this series, but going on in his career. I mean, I am never going to be confused as an X and O guy. I am out of my league with X and O's. We had Steve Clifford on the other night. I am out of my league. I do not do player evaluation. I live in the Midwest. You think I didn't know Tyrese Halliburton could play, but it wasn't like I was saying, oh, yeah, Tyrese Halliburton is going to be top three rookie of the year. I don't do player evaluation in college. That's Jonathan Gavoni and all the people in the league. But I think Ben Simmons and Giannis Denecumpo are centers. I think they're centers. I know they're not 40-minute-a-game centers. I know that's not what you even want to do. But I think in the modern NBA, they're centers. And I know that you could even say that Giannis wasn't playing center tonight because Portis was out there. But he was functionally acting like that. And I just think that can unlock so many things. And I think I talk about Aiton's play being a bellwether for the Suns. I think Brooke Lopez minutes are a bellwether for the Bucks. If you need him 30 plus minutes, I'm not so sure things are going well. If you can play him less because you got your other stuff working, you know, I think that's something to watch the rest of this series.
1: I, I disagree. I think it's, I think it's a feel thing. I think sometimes that small lineup when they're switching everything, Works for them. We've seen it in the last couple of series. Sometimes they get killed on the boards. Sometimes that small lineup because it has Connaughton, Tucker, and Giannis doesn't have enough shooting. I think Brooks' pick-and-roll defense has been good in the last two games, good enough to, to for them to have won the game or to not be the reason that they didn't win the game. But I just think it's a feel thing. I just think this is – sometimes it's going to be 22 minutes, sometimes 30, sometimes 15, depending on how the game is flowing, foul trouble, how the other teams um, – how the other teams' rotation is, is – uh, is flowing as well. And I, you know, he was fine tonight, but like you said, they they didn't need him. Um, They didn't need him for any more. And another bellwether, just by the way, before we get back to Tyrese, I don't know what this was before garbage time, but um, Giannis, they played the uh, Giannis on the bench minutes even, and won a key stretch of them. And I think in the first half of the game, and they were obviously, they were getting smoked whenever Giannis sat in the first two games. So that's, that's another bellwether little thing.
0: So, the major league baseball all-star game is playing a role in this series. If you can believe that typically games, you don't, you're, you're laughing at me, Zach. No, I just, I there's a plot twist. I didn't see coming. Yeah. (laughs) Tyrese, you a baseball fan?
2: Uh, when the brewers are playing well.
0: Okay. I know you're not a Packer fan. I think I talked to you about that before. You're not, you weren't a Bucks fan, but you are a Brewer fan. So normally in the finals, there is one day off between games three and four. There's two days off when you travel. So two days between two and three, two days between four and five, five and six, six and seven. Normally one day between games three and four, but we're now in July. We're not usually in July. Tomorrow is a home run derby. Tuesday night is major League baseball all-star game, the midsummer classic. The finals was not going up. It's also the WNBA all-star game. That's Wednesday. I take it back. It's Wednesday. They couldn't go up against the all-star game. So, there's two days off between games three and four. Who does that help in this series, do you think, Tyrese, getting the extra day off, um, this extra rest? You're going to have to play one game in five days. The Suns are a little banged up and, and a little thinner. It may benefit them.
2: Yeah, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm thinking for sure, Phoenix. You know, I think that Milwaukee sees what works. Um, you know, I think that the one day – you know i think they're they'd be ready to go right just you know kind of use the same game plan uh, this is working really well, you know, I think they might, you know, experiment with use, using Giannis at the five. fives, um, you know, keep playing physical. You know, I think this allows Phoenix to kind of regroup, you know, have that conversation. Obviously, you know, you have leaders, a leader like CP, you know, a great guy to have in the locker room to, you know, kind of have those conversations and, you know, watch, watch a bunch of film, but, you know, I think it all, it's, it's going to come down to book, you know, obviously he, yeah, I don't yeah. foresee him having a game for like this, you know, I don't, I think this is, you know, kind of a one, a one-off thing. Uh, You know, if he's better in game four, it's obviously going to be harder for them, for Milwaukee to, you know, have as much success. So I I would say this two-day break uh, definitely benefits Phoenix more.
1: I was, I was actually a little surprised Monty sat him that entire time and, Basically didn't bring him back in the game. I thought there was a window where he would bring him back. And I don't I'm not questioning it because they probably need rest and they, the game was a little bit out of hand. Man, I was worried about the minutes. I think you, I really think well, I think he is too. And and honestly, I've seen some people chirping a little bit on Twitter about complaining about this two-day break between games. And I'm like, yo, yo, we just had this season from hell, and this whole playoffs has been injuries, injuries, injuries. Like if they want to say space milesters one game a week to get through this finals <laughs> with these guys healthy and rested. I'm fine. Whatever is going to help these guys get through the season. Um, it is fine by me. I don't mind the two days off. Let these guys get a little rest. Um, so before we go, Terrence, I wanted to ask you a little about Team USA. You were
0: out here this whole week. I guess it's going to be next week by the time this podcast comes up. But last week, I guess you were out here this whole week on the select team, which I think, I hope you got through healthy because half the team got hurt. Or, or, you know, had COVID protocol stuff. So I hope you made it through healthy. Just wanted to know what that experience was like and whether or not you watched the game against Nigeria last night and saw Team USA get upset there and and what you think about what what you saw on the senior team that you were playing in screaming against.
2: Yeah, no, uh, yeah, I, I was, I, it was a great experience for me. Uh, you know, obviously I had success with the Under-19 USA team and, you know, to kind of get that invite to, you know, play for the select team was cool. It makes me feel like I'm on the right path. Um, you know, I haven't played, you know, real, uh, you know, competitive basketball like like that uh, since I got hurt against Dallas. Uh, so it was a, uh, you know, different for me to kind of be out there with those guys uh, and kind of get back into the feel of things and get back into into a rhythm. Uh, you know, I guess you could say. But it was it was nice to be out there with those guys. I think the craziest part of it is. Uh, you know that these guys like know who I am now you know they're coming up to me asking me how how I'm doing you know like they know who I am you know what I'm saying like that I think that's the that's the coolest part but no it was a great experience for me um you know and and then I didn't get the opportunity to watch the game last night against Nigeria because I was I was traveling I was I was coming home um but Chemezi Metu uh you know, with me on the Kings. He's on, he's yeah. on Nigeria. So people were texting in the, we were texting in the group chat. Uh, people were, were were saying that and I, I didn't believe it till I saw it, but now nah, that, that's, that's pretty cool. But you know, obviously USA working, working some, some, some kinks out. Um, you know, FIBA basketball is not the same as USA basketball. You know what I'm saying? Like it's the, it's, it's more packed in, you know, no three seconds, none of that. Um, you know, I think that definitely changes stuff. So I I think it's just an adjustment that, that will be made.
1: How are you feeling about the Kings for next season?
2: Oh, I'm excited. I'm really excited. You know, I think I have another year to, you know, personally grow and, uh, you know, kind of grow as a unit, but, you know, I think me and Fox have, you know, keep becoming a lot closer. That's going to help us a lot. Um, But just, just along with everybody kind of in the organization, I feel like I'm starting to learn, you know, really well. And, um, you know, we had some, bad lulls this year, right? Like win eight in a row, like, man, the Sacramento Kings like look like the hottest team in basketball. Then you lose nine in a row. And it's just crazy how that that could happen overnight. Uh but no I'm looking forward to it. I think we have a great opportunity. Obviously got the number nine pick, so I'm curious to see, you know, who we bring in, uh, but you know, also hopefully uh you know make some moves in the in the off season, um, you know, that that benefit us and, you know, put us in a in a in a great position to, you know, compete for a playoff spot next year.
0: Yeah, you look at what a great backcourt can do, like in in uh, in Phoenix. I mean, this is the kind of dream, right, that they have with you guys. I mean, backcourt in Phoenix is why they're there, and so you know, if you can get a good but, rhythm with 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 uh, De'Aaron Fox. I mean, sky's the limit, seriously.
1: Yeah, I think I think De'Aaron Fox had to have watched Trey Young and think, okay, I maybe mean, I'm not I'm not I'm not as good at three point shooters, Trey Young, but I got that floater mid range thing, and I got speed, like. And everyone's not everyone, but there was all these questions. Is is he too undersized? Is he too much of a liability on defense? And I don't think those same questions necessarily apply to De'Aaron Fox, but I don't think I certainly did not expect Trey Young to dominate the playoffs to the degree he did basically building that dominance around a floater. And De'Aaron Fox has a, that kind of speed and mid range game. Like, I don't know. Did you guys talk about that at all? Like look at what Trey Young's just doing, just tearing these guys up on the pick and roll. I
2: mean, yeah, just that communication, like uh, like Brian said, you know, just like the, how the backcourts are dominating games, right? Like how, uh, you know, D-Book and CP have had some, like, crazy efficient games, right, where they're combining for, like, maybe, like, four turnovers, four or five turnovers, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Really taking uh, control of the game. They run a lot of stack action. Like, Phoenix lives in that stack action with oh. CP, Book, and, uh, and 8, and they'll run that to death, you know what I'm saying? So... Uh, just looking at that stuff i think you know is 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 cool for us to see it. as a as a young backcourt and as a young uh as a young team to see the success atlanta had i think you know that that gives us that 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 you know that that that's cool to see because it it makes us be like man why not us you know what i'm saying and uh you know per me personally i i think fox gets disrespected in this league by by people i think he had an amazing year this year that uh, people don't really understand how good, how good De'Aaron is, but you know, that's kind of, that kind of comes with not making the playoffs, right? Like you're not going to, especially, in booker. You're
0: not,
2: yeah, you're not going to get that love until you get to the playoffs. So, uh, so yeah, that's just the goal. Cause you know, I, I, I would love for people to see, you know, what he can do on a big stage, what we can do on a big stage, uh, in competitive basketball games. So, you know, that's, that's definitely the goal.
1: You brought it up. So it's your fault. I'm going to ask you now, that stack pick and roll or people call it the span pick and roll that thing just seems impossible to defend and i and i rewatch it sometimes cuz like you'll get people the phoenix is the best in the league at it they'll get this guy will get an open 3 di eight will get a rim run and i rewatch it and i i try to say okay what could they have done differently here to prevent this and i just sometimes shrug my shoulders like man it's just freaking hard to defend is it like as a player you've defended the back screener you've defended the ball handler like <laughs> I, is there one answer to it is it just like you've just got to be able to read and react on the spot you know, I think it's a hard adjustment, especially because those guys shoot
2: mid-range jumpers. Like, that's what makes it so different. You know what I'm saying? Like, other teams are on stack action, but they don't shoot the mid-range like CP and D-Book. You know what I'm saying? I think uh, obviously CP is a genius that people will never truly understand how much of a genius he is, but he understands, like, okay, if you switch with just the big, I know what I'm doing. If you switch guard to guard, I know what I'm doing. Uh, He had a a moment against us that I was on the bench like, oh, my God. Like, we were – they were struggling to guard the stack action, and we are just saying, all right, just switch everything, you know, just switch everything. He just told – I think it was campaign. He just said, don't even come – like, he just said, run out. He just pointed that way. So campaign didn't even come in the stack action. He just ran right to the wing. And because (laughs) the dude who switched off CP turned his head to look at the top of the key where the guard usually goes – nobody's there there. he's not there they're shooting the the three's already in the air you know what i'm saying so they i think that that helps and i you know i think that's credit to you know the genius of cp but those guys have uh, there's a lot of guys in phoenix with high iqs and then having a leader like monty i feel like i feel like that's definitely something they drill they understand like we're gonna see all these different uh ways to guard it let's figure out what works best for us and and i think that's what separated them yeah, he ran it once
0: tonight and it, it resulted in a dunk i think for Aiden and like jeff and they trapped on the play and jeff and gundy was like oh i don't like this scheme which is as close as he'll ever get to criticizing any coach in any league and um and i was like the same thing i was like well what's what scheme do you want there because uh chris paul absolutely made a brilliant pass and defeated the scheme with a brilliant pass um uh and i agree i i you know, it's like not like not like Mike Budenholzer hasn't tried like every other coach the best way to do it.
1: Yeah, that the, the thing you mentioned with campaign flying out of it and just not even participating and just veering out. You saw as the play got more popular in the NBA, you saw more and more teams use that as a counter to switching everything. And when that when you get good at that, it's like I don't need like it's like you said, you have great NBA defenders who look like fools because they turn around like, Hey, nobody's here. Where's my, where's my guy and Phoenix. I mean, you can talk about this. Both of these teams are trying to put perimeter defenders like you in just these spots where you're on the weak side of the pick and roll. And it's your job to go in and tag that roller. Who's going to the rim but you're the only one there and like you're guarding Devin Booker on the single side of a pick and roll or drew holiday on the single side of a pick and roll. Like you got to help and recover and no one's around to help you. Like that's really, hard. I don't think people understand it. And certainly I don't, but I talk to people who do it. I've had many, many guards tell me that's the hardest part of NBA defense for me. That single act of tagging and trying to close out without getting beat. Like that's that in the NBA with all the space, that's just brutal. Yeah. I mean,
2: it's a, obviously the NBA is a copycat league, uh, basketball is, you know, kind of become a copycat game at all levels to, you know, use multiple different, um, you know, schemes and, and things like that. And, and I think that's the hardest part. I think I learned that in college early because, you know, I think coach Perlman at Iowa state, you know, he knew that he wanted single side tags. He always put me in position to make reads off single side tags and it's, almost in college it's hard to guard so people don't understand how hard it is in the NBA like it's a single side tag a big like DeAndre Ayton with a guard like Chris Paul who can jump deceive you with his eyes he can make every read with both hands and then you're guarding a shooter like Devin Booker who also can put the ball on the floor like it's 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 a lot you know what i'm saying but the best teams the best teams figure it out so Uh, But that's what's made Phoenix so hard is that they literally run that stack action to death. And I think they have so many different variations of it. And, you know, I think that's just, like I said, it's copycat league. So everybody runs stack. And then, you, you know, some of these coaches will watch, you know, some random team in Spain who runs this stack action, but they put a new wrinkle in it and they're like, oh, well, we'll do that. You know what I'm saying? And that just changes everything because that's what basketball is, right? Everybody is doing the same thing. They're just doing it in different ways and people just steal that. So I I think that's the beauty of the game.
0: Basketball never sleeps. All right, Zach, you got anything? We've uh, taken up too much of Tyrese's time.
1: No, I'm good. I'm ready for game four. Give me a couple days off to rest. Get, you know, get the ice bath a little bit and uh, I'll be ready for game four.
0: Tomorrow night, USA versus Australia. Hmm, that's what I'm going to be doing. Hey, Tyrese, thanks for your time, man.
2: Thank you, Tyrese. Yeah, I appreciate
0: you guys. Look forward to seeing you next fall. Get some rest. Enjoy being home for a little while.
2: Yeah, for sure. For sure. We'll talk. I'll talk to you guys.
0: All right. Thanks for listening to the Hoop Collective Low Post Crossover. We will talk to you after game four Wednesday night.